0: everyone, welcome to the Grove Church's Cultivate podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and thank you so much for joining us. And if you are with us in our last series, we just kind of talked about maybe just kind of some challenging issues that we need to have balance on and finished with just me talking just briefly about kind of how we can get out of balance in our thinking about sex. And, you know, I I give myself two out of four stars on how that went. And I'm sitting here uh, and I was like, you know what we need, if we're really going to talk about that, is we need to talk to someone. Uh, is expert too strong of a word? I haven't introduced her yet and I'm already asking her questions. I've got Brandy Harris here. <laughs> hey, hey, Brandy, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, yes.
0: And if you don't know who Brandy is, she is counselor, therapist, a leader in our church, a really good friend, and really glad you're here. Thanks. I'm glad to be here too. And so for those of you who are part of the Grove, you will know, remember that Brady, you led a class for us. What was the name of it? It's The Truth About Holy Sex. The truth About Holy... That's a great phrase, holy sex. And so you led that. It was really it was really good, went well, and really loved hearing your perspective. And so we're just going to spend some time over these next uh, three weeks just kind of talking about this. And so I guess my first question is, how did this become a passion project for you? How, why, why, when, how in your journey, either as a follower of Christ or as a therapist, how did this become an issue is like, hey, I need, I need to get some material out there. I need, we need to be talking about this. Kind of how how'd that come about for you?
1: Yeah, I would say that my my journey to getting here has mostly been through my private practice as a therapist, where you have people in my office who have questions, concerns, hurts about this issue. And so anytime I have a client that comes in with concerns that I don't have a lot of information about, I go digging and I right. do a lot of research and I ask a lot of questions and I try to fight for them in my own world so that I have something healthy to give them. So it started there. And then most recently, it's been the Grove being curious and interested about right. how do we do better? And so just tried to kind of follow God's lead and what what he sets in front of me and, and try to pursue it from there.
0: That's good. Mm-hmm. And, and it's been real interesting for me, just kind of how, I guess this is kind of, there's one Holy Spirit, it's kind of how this stuff works. So it's kind of similar things are kind of happening for me in my ministry and just kind of interacting, not just with people in the church, but also in the capital C church at large. I found myself in the last five or six years doing just a lot of mentoring to younger people who are in ministry. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that I get a lot now is, I mean, it's, it, they say it differently, but it's like, we're young and in ministry. You're old and in ministry. How do we get to be old and in ministry? Mm-hmm. And really, the more I think about it, it really is, it's kind of a test of endurance. And and I'd and I say the, the two biggest off-ramps to keep you from being who God has called you to be are sex and money. Mm-hmm. If you don't get your mind, and then obviously your discipline's right around those two things, we just go bad. And it's like, yeah. And then you start thinking about it. It's like, we got a lot of confusing, bad, weird teaching out there yeah. and we're not help we're not helping the church isn't helping people. Yeah. And so it's been really cool over the last couple of years you and I just kind of interacting about that and talking about it and kind of that class was birthed out of it and
2: mm-hmm.
0: really excited I don't, I don't I feel like this is more like a launching point mm-hmm. rather than a than that being an end point. So so when we were advertising this class so this, this we uh, were advertising this class uh, what's it about you said it's about sexuality. Mm -hmm. And so then we tell people that, hey, we're going to do a class on sexuality.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: What do you think pops into people's head the most when you say sexuality?
1: So sexuality is most often referred to as homosexuality. That's You hear that term more often than you hear the term sexuality.
0: Yeah. So there's so much in the news right now about what you identify LGBT mm-hmm. issues, and so if we're going to talk about sexuality what the church supposed to think about sexuality mm-hmm. that's what most people thought we were going to talk about, and it wasn't no. and, and but at the same time, I think a lot there people do have a lot of questions, and so if you're okay, mm-hmm. I like to talk about that a little bit because we didn't really talk about it much in the class, but i do I do believe that Christians kind of navigating this issue. I mean, it's, it's difficult. Like we, what I'm, what what I what what I'm what I think the Bible says versus what I feel this emotional pressure to think and believe and feel and and then you know because there's just a lot more openness with LGBT people, you're a lot more likely to be interfacing with them, mm-hmm. and and I think Christians are really confused. Yeah, yeah, and so. I'd love to talk to you, maybe just ask a few questions. I know, I know that you wear a lot of different hats, and so I just would really be interested in some of your perspective on this. And I've told this story before where, as a pastor, we had a, a married gay guys couple that was coming to the church for a while, and I was becoming friends with them. And we went out to eat one time, Heidi and I with them had a good time. And then they invited us over to their house for dinner, and we hung out with them for a while. And there was this fun but awkward moment where at the end of dinner, we're sitting in their living room. And he says something I thought was hilarious, which was, I guess you've noticed we're gay, (laughs) which was which was just funny. And again, it was a little awkward, but it's kind of breaking the ice. And then he says, what do you think about the gay thing? Which is one of the most awkward wordings he could come up. But he was just trying to he's like, but really, he was asking. He wasn't he knew he knew I loved him. He knew I was their friend. But really, he was asking more of, what does the church think about this? Yeah. Yeah, it's a big question. So I don't know how you feel about this question. but I'm, I'm afraid if you had been me <laughs> yeah. in that situation, how do you feel like you would have answered that question?
1: Yeah, I think, first of all, that question probably would have scared me a little bit. For sure. <laughs> um, because... I, it it scares me to speak for the whole church and it scares me to speak for God, which is oftentimes related. You know, when people hear you speaking from the pulpit or because you're an expert or an authority on the Bible, you in some ways represent God to them, which is terrifying because we're such poor illustrators of who God is. So it would have been hard for me to answer it and answer it well. Um, and I would have been treading very lightly because I feel like the church has done a lot of harm towards people who have homosexual orientation. And I I would be timid and I would probably be making a lot of very careful steps forward because I wouldn't want to harm that gentleman. Um, right. And I, I wouldn't want to offend him and I wouldn't want to harm him in any way. So I think... For me, the, the answer is multifaceted. You know, there's the question of what does the Bible say? And I would want to answer that accurately. And then there's also how do I feel about what the Bible says? Um, and then there's a the question of what do I think he should do um, or how he should respond? And that's another question. So I think, first of all, to to look at the Bible, I see God's commands all over the place, and some of the big commands are about loving others and being kind. And so, I'm always going to be most concerned about that when I'm interacting with someone. Am I loving them well? And so, if he says to me, What do I think about the gay thing? Well, I would say, well, I love gay people, you know, right. that's important to me. I love people, so I love gay people, they're included in that group, and I would want to love anyone, no matter how they labeled themselves, I would want to love them because I think that's a big part of who God is and how he extends himself is to reach all the people. He loves all the people. So that's my first gut reaction. If I'm to look at scripture specifically regarding homosexuality, we don't have a lot of references there, but we do have some references and they tend to be negative, which is, is concerning and confusing because I think that there are examples in the Bible of homosexual behavior that have been very harmful, and homosexuality practiced in a loving relationship between two committed people is a really different experience than a rape situation between an older man and guests of their community. Right. So I, I can't go really quickly and say, this is exactly what the Bible says about your committed relationship with another adult. Because that's not the same scenario as a lot of those homosexuality references in the Bible. I honestly would probably divert to the Bible itself and say to that person, let's look at some of these passages together and I'll show you what I see and help you see what I see in the context, what I know about the context, which for me personally is different. I feel like you probably have a lot more experience digging into the context of the Bible than I do. But those are the kinds of questions that I'm asking all the time. What's the actual context of these scriptures that are referencing homosexuality? But then I'm also saying to the person, um, how do I feel about it? I honestly, I don't care a lot about what's happening in people's bedrooms with their other people, unless someone's getting hurt. I am way more concerned about someone getting hurt in a scenario than I am about the nuances of how they're relating with one another. I don't care a lot about the languages that they're using. I don't care a lot about the parts of their bodies that they're touching. I don't care a lot about the body parts that are actually in the room. I really don't care about that very much. I care about the people in that room being hurt and cared for and loved and feeling seen and known. So I, that's where my focus is. And that's probably my question for him. I'm going to be asking him, well... How I feel about it personally and what I hope for you is that your sexuality is an experience that is honest and true and vulnerable and open and safe and leads you to a place of worship with the God who created you. And I can't really determine that for him. I feel like he has to be asking those questions of himself and has to be having those conversations with God. That's where I would land.
0: Wow. That is a really thoughtful answer. And I really appreciate that it would be difficult for me to in the in this podcast to to give my full answer that mm-hmm. i gave i mm-hmm. can only say that my answer also was 5 minutes long <laughs> uh-huh. and touched on some of some of those themes i felt i felt the need in that moment to be a little more specific about what i knew were some of his underlying questions mm. but for me i just kind of started with just my own personal experience with it, which really comes more from my relationship with my dad. Mm. And my dad, when he was a teenager, would have described himself as homosexual mm-hmm. and believed that he shouldn't have been and asked God to free him from that. And And he says that he did. And I had no idea that this was part of my dad's story until I was 32 years old, mm. which... I know, as a as a therapist, as I tell you that, you're probably your first thought is that'll mess up a 32 year old, <laughs> or at least it's kind of disorient you yeah, for a little while. Yeah, it would be while. a shock to the system. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And um, but now he has he just has a real heart and passion for what he would call same sex attracted people who mm-hmm. believe that God wants something different for them, mm-hmm. and so he he strives to kind of help them. And it's really just a, a a more kind of front and center part of his story now than it ever was before. So, I spent some time just kind of talking about that and just some conversations that my dad and I've had about really kind of how the church has failed yeah. homosexual people. Yeah. Either by just completely ignoring that the Bible says anything about it at all, mm-hmm. or just be or more likely in churches like ours, more an evangelical tradition of just being exclusive and hurtful. Yeah. And that he and I've talked, and then again, I'm talking to this couple about it too, is like, what would it look like for a church to pick a third option
2: mm-hmm.
0: where we're going to be honest about what the Bible says,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but we're not going to choose to then exclude you mm-hmm. from the community based on what we believe the Bible says? Yeah. How can we love you well? Yeah. And so, I mean, I I wasn't dancing around anything in the, in the course of that five-minute conversation, but it just, it was incredibly important for me to kind of communicate to you that, hey, one, this is personal. Two, like what you said, I also said this. Like, what's most important to me is that you know that I genuinely love both of you, mm-hmm. and that I want to be your friend, mm-hmm. and I want to be your pastor as long as you will allow me to be. Yeah, this is what I want. And that, and some people who are a little more just kind of cut to the chase would have seen me as dancing around the main issue. Yeah, but I feel like I was. I was on the main issue,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which yeah. was, I love you guys. Yeah. And I, I would imagine there are a lot of things going on in your life that may or may not be sinful. Right. And so then I ended up saying this one thing, which I've said before, which eventually I'm going to want you to react to, which is, but what we believe as a church is what the Bible describes as the only appropriate outlet for sex is between a man and a woman in the context of a marriage. hmm So I I said that and they said, hey, we've heard you say that before, Mm -hmm. which was really interesting to me because they had heard me say that already and they still wanted me to be their friend and their pastor, even Mm -hmm. though they knew that they already knew that that's what I thought. And then I kind of concluded with these two things. I said, you know, but, and I can understand why you might would want to go to a church that wouldn't say that, that would just want to 100% affirm everything about what you're doing. And if you do, I won't be mad. Mm -hmm. But I want to be your pastor as long as I can. And to the degree that I think that you have some sin in your life, I'm also not going to play the role of the Holy Spirit and determine for the Holy Spirit in what order your hurts and hangups and sins are supposed to be corrected. Yeah. It's not going to be like, again, it was a humorous situation. It's awkward here in this context, but I was like, I'm not going to be coming up to you everywhere like, are you still gay? Are you still gay? Are you still gay? Are you still gay? (laughs) Right. And and you know, we ended up having and and still have well, one of them has, has passed away, but I still have an ongoing friendship with the other guy. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been good. And so again, I know this is an, an awkward an awkward question. So how how would you respond to me saying to you the Bible describes the only appropriate outlet for sex as being between a man and a woman in the context of marriage?
1: Yeah. So I can agree with you that that's what I see in the Bible too. I see it consistently referenced as being commanded inside a marriage between a man and a woman. And I would also add another caveat that I think maybe can help us clarify, which is that it also implies that you should only be having sex with the first person that you married. And there are Mm. lots of people that we have in our churches these days that have been married a second time and we don't blink an eye or even say a single thing about the sex that's happening in those second marriages so while i agree with you that it looks pretty clear that mar- that sex should only be happening between a man and a woman in a marriage mm-hmm. we we seem to not care about some of those other caveats and i don't understand why we spend so much emphasis on whether or not that relationship should be heterosexual when we spend zero energy on whether or not that marriage is supposed to be happening to that second person and sex is happening in that marriage as right. well.
0: So, see what you're accidentally doing here, Brandy, do <laughs> is inviting yourself back for another podcast series. I'm good with that. <laughs> because I I would love that's I would love to navigate that a little bit of just kind of how 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 the church does and should respond well, to di- to divorce and remarriage and those yeah. kinds of things cuz that that obviously that that is as tricky and sensitive an issue Well can we to- can we
1: camp there for a second cuz I, okay. I I I I have people in my life that I love so much who are married in the second marriage, and I believe those people love each other and that they love the Lord and that they are working hard to do everything that the Lord wants them to do in loving people around them and taking care of each other. And I I don't care that they're in a second marriage, uh, to be as blunt as I can be, Um, I I am just not worried about what has happened in previous marriages and how they got to this place and yeah I would love to talk with them about that story but I I honestly I don't have time I don't have time to condemn them for other things. Right. I we We need and love them in our lives, and so I'm happy to have them in our lives and in our church, and I feel the same way about people who are in homosexual relationships. I I don't have time to argue with you about what you do in your bedroom. What I have time for is for us to work together, um, teamwork, trying to love the community, and trying to love and follow the Lord. And for me, we've just got so many other things that we can be focused on that I, I don't I don't want to spend any energy on either one of those <clears throat> right. arguments, I guess, about why we should or should not be encouraging that particular behavior.
0: Well, then that kind of leads to this this question then. Why, why do you think Christians have elevated this issue so much? Where it is like, it's almost like a, to use an obscure biblical phrase, a, a shibboleth Kind of like a like a like a defining marker of just Mm -hmm. like this is how we determine whether or not you're the right kind of church or not. Yeah. For for liberal or conservative. A a right church has the right position on this issue. Yeah. And it and in more conservative churches, it is it is like the worst of the sins. Mm -hmm. In a lot it it seems that way. Yeah, it's portrayed as the worst of the sins. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it has taken what feels to me at least, and I think from you, an oversized role in mm-hmm. Christian thinking.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, again, you, I'm going to introduce something here, and you're probably going to say, "And now we're going to have to have another episode." Yeah, yeah, it's
0: going to, it's just going to we're just going to switch. This is just yes. going to become the Charlie and Brandy Cultivate yes, Podcast
1: because I have to bring up the issue of patriarchy, mm. <laughs> and I I do want to explain what I mean by that. We live in a culture. Okay, hold on. I want to back up. I as much as I wish that it weren't true, the church is in bed with the culture. It's in bed with capitalism. It's in bed with patriarchy. It's in bed with a lot of things that aren't essential or helpful or good. And sadly, there are a lot of things about the modern church that echo and reflect what's happening in the larger culture, rather than influencing the culture to reflect who God is. Right. So, in the case of homosexuality, and, and I would also add um, like transgender issues, these, these things that we pick up and say, this is so important, I really think is an extension of the patriarchy, which is a system that keeps a few people in power and a lot of people oppressed. And I thought a lot about this because you gave me some hints before we met today, <laughs> like how I could explain this in a, in a really brief way for people who balk at the word patriarchy. I was thinking of if we had a scenario where there was a king, a cook, and a slave, that's a patriarchy. And, and let me explain why. The king has all the power, right? All the money, all the influence. He owns everything. The cook has a, pl- a position of power. It's, it's slightly elevated over the slave because the cook gets to sleep in the kitchen and he can eat whatever he wants, whenever mm-hmm. he wants. He's got some good things going for him. And then we have the slave who sleeps in the dungeon, never has enough to eat and gets beat up on all the time. With those three characters, we we know that the power remains with the king and the king wants the power to stay there, but honestly the king doesn't see a problem with the system because it's working great for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets and has everything that he needs in that process and he wants to keep those things, but he doesn't see a problem with the injustice or how it might not be fair to the slave. He might not see those things. The cook can probably see that there's an issue, but he's not going to speak up because if he speaks up, he's going against the king, which means he'll lose all of his power and he'll be relegated to the position of slave. So the the cook is actually who maintains the system because we know the slave doesn't want want to maintain it. The slave would do anything to rise up, Mm -hmm. to not have to be spat upon and, you know, the Mm -hmm. trash of the community. The slave would love to rise up, but the slave can't because he has zero power. So who maintains the system? The cook. And most of us are cooks. Most of us are in the middle there. But if we don't maintain that system of power, then we lose and we get trashed to the very bottom. So when we have something like homosexuality, which is only, um, homosexual orientation is, only exists in about 6 to 10% of the population. Homosexual attraction happens in a lot more than that. It's right. a much bigger population. Enduring attraction is only in six to 10%, which means that they're a small, marginalized group that doesn't have a lot of power. And the thing is, the whole system is based on those at the top being able to utilize the resources of those on the bottom. And we can utilize and control those who are on the bottom because they have no power. And frankly, those who consider themselves homosexual oriented or gay. Or queer in any way, they're on the bottom. They have the least amount of power. And this is all, this is a hard argument because so much of it is subconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, very few of us think of ourselves as cooks or slaves or kings. Um, we just think we're operating in a world and in America, we say everybody's equal. Um, and so we just assume that everyone has an equal say in things, but we really don't because of and here we go with another word: historical privilege. <laughs> okay,
0: Just triggering everybody today.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, because we have all of these systems going on that are mostly subconscious. Until we make them conscious, and we decide as a whole of all the group, if, of all the groups, if the slaves and the cooks could bind together and have a conversation and work hard to change the system, so that everybody was actually equal. And this is so idealistic, right? Right. Things would change. That's probably not going to happen, I'll just tell you now. I don't think that's going to actually change. But as long as it's not changed, we have to find somebody to squish on the bottom because that's the base and the stability of the whole system. And so that's what we do. We pick people who are marginalized and who have less power. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, that was that, giant. <laughs> that, was, that, was a,
0: that was an answer right there, I'm telling you. Was, yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is the same thing as that or not. Mine is a much more colloquial idea around mm-hmm. what you're saying, but it really, it just, and maybe this is just a piece of what you're talking about when you say patriarchy. It's like we have these groups of like this is a common sin amongst mm-hmm. common people mm-hmm. and then there's uncommon, mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. Out, you know, it's like we all struggle with greed. Right. We all struggle with lust. Right. We all struggle with indulgence, you know, anxiety, stress. These are all, these are common struggles. hmm and so then we affirm each other if it's in the common struggle mm-hmm. but if it's an abnormal struggle sure it, well, that's that's weird yeah and so if, if if that's again you're you're not you're not part of the group that is an uncommon struggle and then so we have to we give that elevation because this makes me feel better about me because mm-hmm. at least i don't struggle with right at least i'm not on the bottom the worst one mm-hmm. so i guess we're we're saying the same thing I you're just so. using <laughs> fancier language to describe it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> okay. Um one of the things I did talk to this couple about was I was kind of walking my way through it is like, hey, what do you think about the gay thing? I was like, you're attracted to a man. I don't I don't think the Bible says anything about that. I mean, it's just I find something attractive. I mean, mm-hmm. okay. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, I've I've seen an attractive man.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? I mean, I think yeah. I mean, okay. And then the next level past that is maybe orientation.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
0: not just that I am sometimes attracted to a man.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like my my inclination mm-hmm. is towards that. And basically what I said was like, man, you you tell me that your best, most intimate relationships are all with men. I don't know that I I don't know I care about I don't know if I care about that either. Mm-hmm. Then then there's a there's a level past that of identity. Mm-hmm. This is who I am. Right. And honestly you could take all of that out and take we're not talking about homosexuality. More, we can talk about being an American.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You talk about being a a Democrat. Mm-hmm. I identify myself. Once you start talking about what I identify, I don't care what that thing is. Yeah. Now I'm starting to get a little. I like, I don't know that I I don't know if I feel great about that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so around this issue of sexuality is like, man, I don't know that I would define myself in terms of something that I do or something that I'm oriented towards. Like I'm real. Mm-hmm cautious about that in all things. And then I said the thing about sex is should only be between man and woman in the context mm-hmm. of marriage. But mm-hmm. what you think about that kind of that attraction, orientation, identity, is there a part for you when you think like there's there's a spectrum there somewhere and there's a place where maybe it just gets a little unhealthy?
1: Yeah. You know, that's hard. I When I was first doing this work, I was thinking about Identity. And yeah, I don't, I, for example, myself, I don't think about myself as a heterosexual. I'm not like my identity is as a heterosexual. I don't think about that. But I do identify as a woman. Mm-hmm. And I consider part of my womanhood is a part of my identity. And what that means for me is that I have some experiences that most men in our culture don't have. And so it's important to me and it's valuable to me. And I actually think it's a part of how God's designed me. And how he wants to use me. And the truth is, I think that every part of our identity is, that's true about those things as well. As an American, you were born an American and you have privileges and opportunities as an American that a Peruvian doesn't have. For sure. And I think it's actually wise for you to own that you're an American and do something about it. It doesn't mean that you don't also consider yourself a human or a child of God, because those are essential and they're basic to the human soul. But if we really believe that the body of Christ is made up of unique individuals who are working together in a complementary way, then we should actually be celebrating our differences. Mm. And part of our differences are tied up in our identity as unique people, whether you're a man or a woman or a homosexual or black or white or an American or whatever it is that you consider yourself Consider part of your identity. That's actually a special, important, and I would even say good part of who you are and how God's designed you. All
0: right. So I'm going to ask you one more question. And for time's sake, we may end up making this podcast into four podcasts, (laughs) or we may cut this or maybe make it as a special or whatever, or we may just have one really, really long one here at the beginning. Because again, this is kind of around the question of identity, but it's a little bit different because up until this point, we were talking about homosexual same sex attraction same sex having having sex with someone of your same gender we're talking about the act of sex mm-hmm. and transsexual kind of gets put in that it's in it's the t in lgbt but more than the uh, than being lesbian or gay it's really not about who you have sex with mm-hmm. it is about your perception of yourself what you believe about yourself that I am a man, I was born a man, but I am a woman, or vice versa. And right now, I would say that is probably the biggest, more the hot button topic in the culture than homosexual sex is. Mm-hmm. And so, I, mean, I maybe I don't have a great question here, except to just kind of shrug and look at you. <laughs> but like, okay, so you say so you got someone in your church, and this has happened, this happened at least twice in our church, mm-hmm. where someone comes, You you know them as one thing, and they they come to you and say, I am now no longer a man, I am a woman. Mm -hmm. And I think Christians just, they don't know what to do.
1: Sure. I mean, we don't know what to do because so much of our relatedness in our culture, we have pretty, pretty firm expectations for what it looks like and what's expected of a man and what it looks like and is expected of a woman. Um, And so when someone jumps that fence, we don't know what to do with it because those are so strict. And we relate with one another very much as gendered people. Um, As much as we wish that weren't true, we do. We are aware, especially in the South, of how we relate with one another, even how we touch each other, whether or not we look each other in the eye, all of that is affected by what we think and believe about who we are as a gender and how the other person is. So when you say, I'm, I'm crossing over, I'm jumping over that fence, and I'm, or I'm some combination of those things, it is confusing. It's right. confusing because we don't just relate to each other as non-gendered beings. So, and I'm, I'm looking for exactly where the question is. It's confusing, but I also think there is room for us to be curious because right. just like what you said about homosexual, longstanding homosexual attraction or orientation, it's, it is more rare. It's more unique. And so for someone to say that, I, I'm, I'm going to be curious. Right. I'm going to be like, tell me about that. What mm-hmm. do you mean by that? What is that like for you? What experiences have you had? what do you perceive and because you're probably perceiving the world differently than i do and i i want to understand it i haven't had very many conversations with transgendered people so i'm i'm curious right um i'm also i'm excited because like i said earlier i very much value people being different i think they're more interesting because they're different and i think they're Useful I don't know if if that's the right word or not, but um helpful maybe to me they're gonna they're gonna relate to me and love me in a different way because they're unique and their experiences are different they're gonna see and perceive things that i I don't know about um and i'm I'm curious about that right. and I'm excited about that i'm I'm glad to have them that they're willing to connect with me in that way, and then I'm also gonna be compassionate because. I do know that people who have that experience are marginalized. They have a very rare experience and they are often um, not treated very kindly because of that. So I'm going to have a lot of compassion and maybe even a feeling of protection towards them and about them because I don't want them to be hurt. And I do see them as especially vulnerable because of the culture that we're in.
0: Yeah, it feels like that as with most things, we have these two polarized responses that we're supposed to have. And it's usually somewhere in between. Like it's like, hey, I am I think I'm transgender. Like, cool, bro. And then, that, then that's it. Mm-hmm. Or, ah, get away from me, freak, and you're sinful and uh-huh. don't come anywhere near me or my kids. Yeah. Right? And that yeah. those are only two choices. And I feel like for me, and again, I've, this is a very lived experience for me. I still mm-hmm. have an ongoing, I would say really good friendship with a transgendered woman. Mm-hmm. My first thought is the high suicide rates. Yeah. Or suicide attempts. Yes. And so I think, okay, at a minimum, what I know this person coming towards me is at a high risk for self-harm.
1: Right. And that's true about homosexuality.
0: And if that's if that's true, if I knew that there was a chance that my interaction with this person could lead them towards self-harm or away from self-harm. Right. That is go- that is my number one issue and concern. Yeah. And then I also understand, and I think they would agree with this, they're not thinking, Everything about me is great. I'm I'm so happy about this about me. I mean, it comes from a place of confusion, hurt. You know, maybe feeling like life has been unfair to them in some way, mm-hmm. and it seems like, and and it's not like I would look at the I either one. This isn't a problem. You don't have a problem. Just stay a just stay a dude. It is if you believe right. That I was born a man, but I am a woman. That's a it's pro- a problem. It's a problem that needs a solution. And I think yeah. it, the the worst thing that I think that a, a Christian should say is like, "Hey, I empathize with you. I'm sorry. It's got to be hard. I love you. I want to be your friend. I can imagine that this problem is really hard for you. Maybe you haven't chosen the right solution, <laughs> but I want to be here for you in the problem.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Like I don't, I don't, I really don't. I really don't understand how we could be harsher than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that this is what I, w- I, w- I mean. It's like we don't have any We we can't lose empathy. I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Which just seems to very too often that was what happens.
1: Yeah, we can't fix. Yeah, we just can't be in a position of trying to fix people or fix something for them. Right, especially something so complex.
0: Right. Well, I mean, I have 17 other questions on this topic, but we've got we've we're under multiple time constraints here and um, hey, uh, thanks for being here with us for this ep- this episode. Excited that you're going to be with us for the next couple, Brandy, and as always, thanks to all of you out there for joining us at the Grove Church Cultivate podcast. You can check us out at thegrovechurch.org/connect. If you're local, we'd love to see you on a Sunday. If not, You can come check us out online. Either way, just let us know that you're listening. Any way that we can help serve you, love you, please let us know. And again, thanks for joining us.